Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. I'm Darren, if I don't know you. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad you're with us this morning. We had an incredible trip this last weekend where we uh, have family in Chihuahua, Mexico now. So you are part of a larger church that exists in two countries. Um, And we are building a church that is here in Long Beach and scattered throughout Southern California. And we will continue to plant churches in Southern California, California, wherever God leads us. But we have our dear friends, um, Pastor Carlos and Cynthia, who were here for a few years with the intent of being here long-term, getting a visa. Uh, They were, my wife and I, um, uh, they were our neighbors, and we had kids together, and we were best friends, really, for a season, and then they they weren't able to get a visa, and they went back to Chihuahua, where God put it on their heart to actually bring the garden to Chihuahua, and um, we had the most incredible trip I have ever experienced uh, as a pastor. I've been on amazing trips, and I've shared this publicly, trips that have changed my life, changed propelled me into planning a church uh, here in Long Beach, uh, changed the direction and course of of my life with my wife and I. But what happened in Chihuahua was so significant that I need to talk about it. And I'm going to break the Ephesians series today because some things have been stirring in in what happened in Chihuahua kind of solidified the things that have been stirring in our community and in my own life. So I thought I I would just do that. Is that okay? Can we? All right, good. Even if you didn't like it, I would do it anyways. Um, But let me just share a couple of things. Uh, We went down there with the intention. Carlos and Cynthia asked if we would go down there and basically put on a conference for the Holy Spirit um, and train their leaders in the ministry model we have of praying for each other. That was it. And then as we were kind of talking over the weeks leading up to um, the event, the weekend, um, there were all sorts of things they asked for prayer for. One was Carlos and Cynthia, whether, if, for those of us that have planted churches, some of us have, um, know that it's really hard. Planting a church is hard for lots of reasons. But one of the things is personally, um, it happened to me, you think all of your friends are going to come alongside and help you plant, and then one by one, they can't transition from a young pastor, a young friend to becoming the pastor, and that it creates loneliness and isolation in leadership, and that happened to me, and it's happening to Carlos and Cynthia. So there was this, this component of friendship that Carlos and Cynthia were praying for. There was this component of garden culture, which is really, let's just call it kingdom culture. It's not garden. It's what, it's what happens when people actually experience the kingdom, God's reign, and begin to live their life that way. And what that meant to us is people that were praying for each other and recognize that everyone has access to the spirit and everyone can pray and everyone, if they hear God's voice and obey, they they have the seeds of a gospel movement and that's what we believe. But also a culture of humility and honor and service. One of the things that you see in Chihuahua is machismo culture where the men um, are everything and they diminish the capacity of women. That happens in the church. So all the women serve, the men don't show up for anything. And so uh, as we were praying and prepping, there are all these things, guarding culture, ministry of the spirit, that, that people would see that the church ex- exists for the city, not for a ministry, and that leadership is about service. So there's all these major prayer things we were going into, hoping that God would make happen. And guess what? It happened. Miraculously. Like, from the moment we got there, the, the spirit came on the community and the leaders, and God began to heal people physically. 
God began to heal people emotionally. Men, men's hearts were broken and open. They were weeping throughout the entire weekend. Our team experienced the presence of God like never before. It was the most biblical thing I've seen where we were eating in homes and breaking bread. We were worshiping together. There was literally every time worship began, everyone's just weeping. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the mark of the spirit in a community is uh, shiny faces. And this is what we, it was miraculous. Like without exaggeration, miraculous. Friends were reconciled to Carlos and Cynthia through the power of the spirit. People were asking for forgiveness. People, men, I, you saw it in there, I was washing Carlos and Cynthia's feet because I was wondering how can I install them, commission them as pastors with this church that carries a different kind of culture that needs to see culture of servant leadership. And the Lord gave me the image of John 13, the moment that Jesus had all power and authority given to him. He gets up from the table, takes off his clothes, and he washes his disciples' feet. So I had this image. I didn't want to do it. It's quite embarrassing. So I stole two towels from the, the, um, the hotel, and I got a water bottle. It was super awkward, but uh, I did this thing, and I prayed for them. And what I did was I gave them my resume as a church. I'm the lead pastor. We're planting churches here. We got all these people, money, blah, 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 blah. There's a bigger church supporting you, but what matters is this. This is what leadership looks like. And I, I washed their feet, and the place just erupted in, in joy and tears. And uh, for those of us that were there, some of the men came up to me and basically said, you've done two things. You've changed my perspective of leadership in one example, and you changed my perspective of America. And then they signed up and they, they just tore down. They, cl- they cleaned. It was amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's just what God wanted to do. God, they served. And so God was doing reconciling relationships, healing people. We trained people how to pray, people that are new Christians, how to pray. And then we taught them how to pray for healing. And then they went to the streets and prayed for healing in central Chihuahua. It was just amazing. And people were healed and accepted Jesus and then came to the night service. And they're like, what is this? This is church. And they're like, no, it's not a church. Church is in that building over there. And we're like, no, it's not. It's right here. <clears throat> But I'll tell you, the best thing are the tacos. I'm just going to say, <laughs> we're taking a monthly trip for those pineapple slices, El Pastor. It was amazing. And I, I had 12 tacos in one sitting. And Michael had 16. God bless his soul. Um, but we are, we are committed to them. But so, so I had the most incredible experience. And over the last several weeks, God's been stirring something in me. And, but, but more than just me, I've been, and this is what happens as, I don't know how else to lead our church other than to be in the word, to be in presence of God, but also into the community and to listen to the community, to listen to the city. And, and I just sense God is stirring something right now. And I want to speak to that if I can. I'm gonna, I, tr- I tried it in the first service. It was okay. Hopefully it will get better. You guys are my favorite service. So I'll, I'll try. Um, uh, that was a joke. I say it to everyone. <laughs> I don't compare brothers and sisters here, but you guys are great. Um, but I thought I'd do that. Um, so what I'm gonna do, okay, so I'll do that. But let me just, a couple of quick things, disclaimers. First of all, if you're visiting and you're new to the church, we're so, wel- we're so glad you're here. You're welcome here. Uh, this is a safe place for you to learn about Jesus. You're not gonna be judged. You're welcome as you are, not as you should be. We'd love for you to come, get close to the well, and take a drink of water. Jesus is water for the thirsty, not wine for the connoisseur. And we're so glad you're with us. But today I'm gonna talk to the family. And so if you are here and you are a gardener, you know what that means. And maybe you're, you've been coming and you're trying to decide you're shopping churches, and that's great. I wanna speak to the garden. 
I want to speak to the family, the members of this particular local church. We don't have membership, we have participation, but you know in your heart that this is your church. I want to speak to you. So we're going to have a staff meeting. Does that sound okay? Yes? Okay, well, you don't know what I'm preaching on, but either way, say yes now or forever hold your peace. All right, let's pray. I'm going to pray that the Lord will speak. Jesus, um, we know that you're already here in our midst and that worship, you're doing something in worship already. We're calling out for you, Jesus. We want more of you. Jesus, we want, we want to do what you want. We want you to be in our midst. We want you to be the center of our marriages, of our friendships, of our lives. Lord, we put um, a lot of things, we get, a lot of things get in the way of this. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would just eliminate those distractions, that you'd free us right now to be listening to um, what you might have for us together as, as a body, as a church. I pray, Lord, that you would um, speak powerfully to us this morning through my rambling and stumbling upon what it is we're supposed to do. So I pray, Lord, that you bless us with your presence, bless our church this morning as we reorient our lives in your name. Amen. So I know God's doing something. He's doing something new. And um, it's hard to articulate that. And in this season, I'm trying to find words to describe what's next. And there are all sorts of sparks here and there. And Chihuahua kind of sparked kind of a more a greater observation of what God's doing, I think, and what he's trying to do here. Um, it, it, the way I feel currently is almost like a year ago when I came back from India and there was something else stirring. But for me personally, it was a call to holiness and sobriety. Um, it was a call to minimalism and simplicity. Um, it was this mix of the text, talks about the rich and the poor. It talks about Zacchaeus giving his stuff away. And, and I brought that back and I said, hey, I'm gonna stew on this for a while and then we'll come back. And I did this series called Witness. Do you remember this series in the fall? It was probably one of my favorite series we've done so far. I felt alive in it, and I feel like God's doing something right now. And it's something else, and it's for us, because it's about the church. And what I feel the task I need to do this morning is to convert the church back to being the real church. And so God's doing something, and anytime God does something new, it will always be opposed. Do you know this? That anytime God does something new in your own life, it will be contested. So, and, and you could just test it. How many of you have tried to start a diet, right? Can you, how, how many of us have had a contested diet before, right? You're like, yeah, obvious. Or like you, you're gonna commit to working out, right? And then like a, two weeks in, you roll your ankle. Or at least that, that's what happens to me for some reason. It's like, I'm gonna do this and like I get injured or something. Or, or, but in all seriousness, there are all, all sorts of ways. Like I know men who, and women who have tried to like stop drinking alcohol for a while. It's, they're not addicted to, to it or anything, but they'll stop and they'll start thinking, oh, but there's a wedding coming up. And all of a sudden the wedding is the opposition. I shouldn't give it up because there's a wedding. Anyone wanna talk about that? <laughs> Contested. Whenever the kingdom is doing something new, whenever God's breaking forth, it will be contested. Now, what you see in the scriptures is various places of where it's contested. I want to talk about the opposition that we face. So if you have a Bible, go to Acts 5. I'm just going to show you a story. So um, it's about Ananias and Sapphira. So you didn't see that coming. Um, but this is a New Testament story that feels very Old Testament-like. So I'm going to read this story. We'll talk about opposition. I'm going to talk about what's stirring and we'll see, we'll pray for each other, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So Ananias and Sapphira, Acts 5, here's the story. So the church is new, and uh, what's happened is that Jesus is resurrect, re resurrected from the dead. He tells his disciples to wait 
in Jerusalem, they'll receive, they'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They'll receive the Spirit, and when he comes upon you, he will empower you to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so the Spirit comes in Acts 2, and it, it does something in the community. This, the community just erupts. It erupts with worship. Praise is being heard in different languages. And people on the outside are like, what's going on? Are you guys drunk? And Peter stands up. The last image that we have in Luke's gospel of Peter is not standing up. It's Peter sitting down next to the fire where he denies Jesus three times. And then in Acts 2, he's filled with the presence of God. And it says he stands up with the 11 and proclaims the resurrected Messiah. We're not drunk off wine. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And from the beginning of scripture until that moment, he basically says, repent. And guess what? 3,000 people are saved from little timid Peter because the Spirit of God came. What happens when the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God comes to transform us, to do something in us, not for the sake of warm fuzzies, but for the sake of mission. You with me? I'm, this, is, this is great. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to preach. This is good. So the, it goes on. It just expands. 3,000 people. There's a picture of community. Everyone's selling possessions. They're breaking bread. We'll look at that in a second. There's, there's just awe and wonder. Then Peter and John are walking to the temple, and all of a sudden they see this, this guy who's been lame from birth. He's paralyzed. And they're like, I don't got money or gold, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Walk. And the guy walks, and then he gets into the temple because what happens in the religious system is there are some people that are marginalized and not included into the fellowship. And what this guy does, Peter, does to the blind man or the, the beggar is simply give away what Jesus taught him to give away. He simply gives away what was given to him, faith, power, the ministry of Jesus. That's what the church is called to give away, the ministry of Jesus. And so Peter just walking going to, do, to the temple court as he did. And he just says, all right, get up and walk. And the guy walks. And what happens is the guy's healed. His, his ankles and his, his legs are healed. But then it, he starts, he walks into the temple. He wasn't allowed into the temple. Leviticus talks about, um, the, Leviticus talks about if you have any def defect, you weren't allowed into the temple because of your defect. So he didn't have spiritual fellowship with other people or spiritual connection with God. That was seen in some Jewish communities as a curse for his sin, yet he's healed. He's spiritually healed. He's physically healed. And then it says he's skipping. Why would you skip? Why would you jump? Because he's emotionally healed. Imagine the burden of being a beggar who's put out in front of the temple. You can't go into the Holy of Holies. You can't go into the temple court. You just beg for money. Talk about emotional and mental burden. And this guy does, Peter just heals him and he walks in. So the, it begins to spread. Acts 4, it's just opposition. Guess what happens? God's doing something new. This is what's going on. You've got to have a picture of this in your head. God's doing something new. Peter, John, James, the church, they basically set up another government outside the, the walls of the White House. This is what they're doing in Jerusalem, okay? So it's so controversial because what they're doing is they're acting like the temple. They're, they're forgiving sins. They're healing people. They're preaching the message on the footsteps of the temple, the place that is organized, designed, institutionalized to be the place where God resides. But now he's in his people. And so they're upset. And the first opposition that we get whenever God's doing something new is from the religious establishment. Those that have a, a religious 
institutionalized say over what God's actually doing. And we shut down the move of God. Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? So that's the first way we'll be opposed, by the way. We'll oppose it here. That's not how we've always done it. God's doing something new. This is not how I remember it. God's doing something new. And so we get to this place in Acts 5 where people are selling their possessions left and right, and it's like everything's in common. There's no need among them. And then Ananias and Sapphira, this is what happens. Verse 5, another form of opposition. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but, the re- but brought the rest and put it at his apostles' feet. At the apostles' feet, excuse me. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. This is the New Testament. And great fear seized all who heard about what happened, as it should, right? Don't go to that church. They don't give donuts. You die. <laughs> and, then, and then this is great. And then some young men came forward, wrapped up the body, and carried him out and buried him. We're looking for volunteers here. Um, we're we're going to take care of the dead. Like, how do you get that? We're trying to get volunteers for Easter. And these guys were like, uh, okay, we'll just wrap him up. All right, cool. And well, then we'll set up chairs later, you know, whatever, whatever it was. But there's, anyways, it's crazy. And then three hours later, his wife came knowing, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said, hey, tell me the price. Is this what you got? She she said, yeah, that's the price. And Peter said, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they'll carry you out out as also. And she died. Then the young men came. They're like, all right, let's do it. Wrapped her up. And then the whole church was full of fear because of what they heard in these events. But look at what happens next. So that happens. There's a story. And this is like a snapshot of something else going on that Luke, the author, wants you to know. Something's, there's something else stirring because what happened, so great fear seized the whole church. Then the apostles performed many signs and wonders among them and all the believers used, uh, used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and they were added to the number of those being saved. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by to heal them. His shadow was healing sick people. Is that nuts? Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem bringing all those who were ill and those who were tormented by impure spirits and all of them were healed. Is that nuts? There's, some, there's something that happened where, where you have to take it, where there's all this movement and opposition. And then there's a story about Ananias and Sapphira, but the direct, the next story is the power of God moving as witness. People are healed, doing, just doing what Jesus did. So what's the story about Ananias and Sapphira? Why am I talking about this? Well, the, we can be opposed by the religious establishment, threats, you're a heretic or whatever, whatever the church is going to do to shut down the move of God. 
The other thing that's gonna happen is we could be persecuted. We're, we don't face that in the US like, it, like our brothers and sisters are, are facing all over the world right now. Christians are still the number one persecuted group in the world. And more people have died for their faith in the last century than any other centuries combined. So we, we are the most persecuted group in the world. So persecution. But every time persecution happens, the church just spreads for some reason. Throughout history, this is what we see. So it's persecution, it's opposition. The other way is in Acts 6. The way the enemy comes against the church is through distraction. Let's overwork them, right? So, hey, there's a bunch of widows. We're gonna feed them daily, Acts 6. The, the apostles were basically waiting tables and they realized they were neglecting their gift in ministry of, of preaching the word in prayer. So they, they raised up volunteers, they servants to carry the ministry because we're all church. But the way that the, the opposition comes, the most harmful way we are opposed is what's, what this story is about, Ananias and Sapphira. It's people who say one thing in the church yet do another. The story of Ananias and Sapphira is not a story about, oh, you guys should tithe, then, then otherwise you'll die. Um, <laughs> it's about the reality of what the church is. And this early story in the church, which created great fear among the church, was that this is real. We are now the living temple of the Holy Spirit. We cannot be a community of people who say one thing and do another. That's called hypocrisy. And deceit cannot be ex experienced in the community of the living God. Because this is plan A. God is using the church to reconcile all things back to himself. Look at Ephesians chapter one. <clears throat> There's this passage in Ephesians where it talks about what the purpose of the church. The church is at the center of God reconciling all things back to himself. It says this, um, Ephesians chapter one. Look at what the church is responsible for. So here's Jesus's ministry. Um, With all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. So here's God's will and according to his pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, and this is it, to, put, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. This is the purpose. This is, if you ever wanna know, what is the will of God? Live in the will of God to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring unity to all things. What that means is to reconcile all things back to the way they were intended to be in the first place. The will of God is to restore what was lost in the beginning of time. When, when he created creation, he designed us to live in shalom, peace, harmony, wholeness. What does that mean? That means you and I as individuals have perfect loving relationship with God. We have perfect loving relationship with each other. Perfect loving relationship with this creation, this physical creation. This world matters and perfect loving relationship uh, with ourselves. This is shalom. And this was distorted when sin entered into the world. And since then, God has been working to redeem, restore, reconcile, sum up, bring unity to all things in Christ. And he does. And he says that that's the will of God. But then Ephesians 3 goes on and it says, listen to this. This is so important. This is where I got, I was rocked by the word. His, I've been so amazed by, by the scriptures lately in Ephesians. His intent, was, his intent was that now, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, the church is the primary agent to bringing reconciliation to the cosmos. Do you hear this? Do you see how, this is not about showing up, putting money in a bucket, singing some worship songs, saying high five, hallelujah, whatever it is. This is about becoming the kinds of people that reconcile all things back to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the church. This is your job. Staff, this is what we're paid to do or not paid. Actually, we are paid, some of us. You may not be paid by a church, but you are paid to bring ministry of reconciliation into your uh, office place, into your school, into your home, into your business, at the park with your little ones as you watch your kids because you're a stay-at-home mom. You are commissioned by God to be a minister of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are responsible as the church to be witness reconciling all things back to Jesus. Do you see how profound that is? It's messing me up. It's messing me up for so many reasons because Ananias and Sapphira, all they're doing is trying to play church. Everyone else is giving money. Oh, let's do, let's do this. Let's give, let's give a lot of money, but we're just gonna keep a little bit and we'll say it's all, it's, we'll say it's the whole thing. I surrender some, right? None of that. Bring in the volunteers, roll her up. God takes it so seriously. He takes it so, because in the beginning the threat was, well, we could pretend. We can pretend to be this. We can pretend to be church. God's like, no, be church. You are church. Be church. Be church. Don't mess around. Stop pretending. There wasn't some culture or, or institution. There wasn't some, some form of Christian culture-like stuff. That's the problem today. The church looks so ugly. And this is what God's put on my heart. And I'm part of the problem. So as I speak of her ugliness, I sit self-criticizing as a prophetic word for the church because I'm not leaving the church. We're not leaving the church. We're gonna sit in the pews or in the seats of the church as we say, it can do better. We can do better because the church should look like Jesus and it doesn't look like Jesus right now. What I see right now more than, it's the hardest time to lead a church. It is the hardest season. I talk to so many pastors I've been hanging out with lots of pastors. One of them is a new friend who's committed. I want to tell you this because it's important for the next season. A man named Francis Chan. Have you guys heard of Francis? So he's become a really good friend. He believes God has put the garden in his life for the the future, which is quite humbling because he's blessed my life so much uh, from his books and teachings. And Francis is committed to helping us thrive as a church. He's going to come do some leadership stuff for us. He's a gift. He's a gift to the church. He's been stirring stuff in our staff and elders, and we're all over the place. As you see, I'm pacing. And, because I don't know what, I don't know, but here's what I see. I'm talking to all these pastors, and it is the most divided it's ever been in the U.S. Obviously, politics is the reason. I have to say this here and now, because it stops now. 
brothers and sisters who support and love and honor President Trump, voted for him, you are welcomed in our church. You can be a Trump supporter in our church without feeling any backlash whatsoever. Brothers and sisters who are Bernie fans, Hillary fans, or whatever, uh, Gary, whatever, anyone else, on the opposite side, you can support and have political views that are completely opposite of the people that are, uh, that are in this room. That doesn't divide us. It can't divide the church because we are the hope of reconciling all things. And if we can't do it here, how are we gonna do it out there? Jesus unites all things. The hostility needs to go. Stop tweeting and so stop the social media posts. They're killing me. I post stuff about giving to the poor and was met with backlash. It is biblical to give to the poor. And if you don't believe that, gosh, Lord, help us. You're welcome in this church. Tell me why you're different. But that's what, that's the Jesus, this is what I want to share. What I got to say is this. When you look at the church, you should see Jesus. Jesus is so beautiful and good. He's full of love and grace. And the images we have of him are the kind of person who goes to the least of these, who, who touches lepers, who heals lepers, and some of us will be like, well, well let's create a policy and not, make sure they're not dependent upon us and our general good. No, we, he healed them. He touched the untouchables. He went after the flamboyantly prostituted sinners of all sinners and said, you're in. He didn't say, say these prayers, convert your lifestyle. He said, come to me. You're tired and weary. I'll show you a new way to operate. Not some spiritual hierarchy or game. I'm gonna teach you how to live life again and it's gonna be full of rest and easy and light. And can I get an amen? Because it seems like the church is putting a burden on my brothers and sisters who have already been kicked out. Jesus would be at the center of that community saying, I'm so sorry about those guys. I'm talking about myself because I'm part of the problem. I'm so self-righteous. I'm so, I'm a Pharisee of all Pharisees. I, I deserve judgment that I place on others, brothers and sisters, whether they're religious folks or non-religious folks. But Jesus, he's beautiful, he's good, he's powerful, he's amazing. He goes to the Samaritan woman, our modern day terrorist, illegal immigrant, whatever you wanna say. <clears throat> and he doesn't come to her with moral superiority or a list of demands. He comes to her as a beggar. Can I have some water? What does that do for your apologetics? That's the Jesus I see, and I want our church to look like Jesus. So the first thing I need to say is, church, let's look like Jesus. And what does that mean for you? Well, Acts 1.8, you're a witness to the resurrection that you believe in, to the ends of the earth. It's not a church job. It's not a program. It's not something that you financially support. It's who you are. You're also called to make disciples. If, again, I'm talking to the family. If you believe in Jesus, you've said yes to this, if you're part of this church, you are commanded and commissioned to love and commissioned to make disciples of the nations. Are you making disciples? Oh, I haven't got the email yet, Darren. I don't feel invited. I don't feel included in the leadership here. If you don't feel included, then do something about it. Oh, I don't feel like I'm part of the community. Build community. Don't wait for the email. Just be the church. Invite people over to your home. If you don't have a home, invite them to the food court. Break bread. Be the church. 
I just hear excuses. And this is not, this is me, okay? I'm, I'm not talking about you guys. This is me. I've made excuses for why my life doesn't look more like Jesus, for why I'm not making disciples. Well, I'm doing other ministry. Jesus made disciples. What am I doing? Hanging out in coffee shops. That's what all of you think anyways. <laughs> You're like, Darren, don't you only work once, di- once a week? Yep, that's it. That's all I do. So make disciples, participate in the, is this okay? Does it, I'm not, okay. The last thing I want you to hear is me condemning the church. And I know it's, the tone could feel like that. What's inside of me is I want us to wake up. I want us to look like Jesus. I want us to continue the mission of Jesus. This is the church's task. This is what's so beautiful in the scriptures. It says that the, the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the flock of God, the living temple of the Holy Spirit, the household of God. All of the biblical figures of the church emphasize an essential, living, loving relationship between Christ and the church. So we need to look like church, like Jesus, as the church. We need to continue his mission, and we all have to participate. This is not something that you spectate. Church is not something that you shop. Church is not something that you sit and and just get to absorb. Church is who you are. Everyone gets to play, but everyone has to play. Yes, we believe in women elders. Yes, we believe women should preach. Yes, we believe women can be pastors. Yes, we believe all the gifts are for all of the church because all of Jesus's ministry is available for all of the church. So get on. Don't wait for permission. This is your permission. In Jesus' name, go. Yeah. I'm a, I think we're going to podcast this one. But can you just like put like Darren kicked his foot up right there? <laughs> yeah, we're preaching. So, all right, I'm going to end with this. This is, this is the image I want you to carry. So what do you hear? What do you hear today in Darren's rambling? Let's, geez, let's do this. Oh, man, where are we headed? This is what I wanted to do today. I wanted to basically say, hey, guys, I got on a plane the other day, and the flight attendant was saying when we landed in Mexico City, she's like, okay, those of you that are going, make sh- going to Chihuahua, you're on the right plane. Make sure that this plane, the, the desti- your final destination is Chihuahua. Those of you that were getting, going to Cancun, get off. There's a plane right next door because we had to walk outside. It was quite confusing. And I felt like that's what I needed to do today. We're headed somewhere as a church. We have a destination. And it may not be the destination you want in a church. And that's co- totally fine. Permission to leave, permission to, to, to take up a seat somewhere else. I want us to go after the church that looks like Jesus. A church that continues Jesus' mission in the world. A church that's, that's messy and beautiful and stumbling forward into the scriptures and into society, into Long Beach in 2017. That's the church I'm longing for. So if that's you, then I'm asking you to be church, to go for it. And here's what I'm gonna end with, Acts 2. Acts 2, it's one of my favorite passages. It's just the first image of the church we have And it's so cool because there weren't books on church planning, church growth or anything. This is just the first thing that Luke observes about the church when it was born. And it's so amazing, all these things. Um, They devoted them, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs performed by the apostles and wonders. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to those who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They, look at this, they broke bread 
in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is, this is just a beautiful picture for lots of reasons because community cannot exist outside of mission of God. That this, this snapshot is like God was just bringing people in because it was a witness to what was to come. The church exists as the first fruits of the kingdom, as the foretaste of what is coming. Here, you can forgive people. Brothers and sisters, my call for those of you that need to forgive someone, forgive them. Forgive them. You're, hel- you're holding yourself back from the thing that God is breaking in in your life in this community by holding on to unforgiveness. I know it's impossible. It doesn't mean perfect relationship. It means releasing the, the things that are holding you as a prisoner. Some of you need to go to a person and say, will you forgive me? I've wronged you. Start with forgiveness. Release it and be released. Second thing, we have to be filled with the Spirit every time we come. When I was in Chihuahua, what I loved, it was so simple. None of these people knew what we were doing. We just said, all right, close your eyes, hold your hands out, we'll pray for the Spirit. And God just showed up. They were hungry, hungry for more. And if that's what I want again, I want that pure hunger that God's gonna do something again. So brothers and sisters, if God's stirring even right now, this is stirring you. Come forward, let us pray for more of the presence of God. We have to be marked by the presence. Be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Brothers and sisters, what's this practically? Read the Bible. It's, it's so amazing, <laughs> this thing. I don't care if you read it on your phone, on your Android, or wherever. Just read. I don't care if you have a leather-bound Bible, a plastic. It doesn't matter. Read the scriptures. Read Seriously, read the scriptures. Be devoted to it. Wake up. Read the Bible. Go to bed. Read. We are wasting our time on social media and distractions and busyness and podcasts and music. Let's just get into the word. Let's devote. What will happen to our community if in a year we all devoted ourselves to the scriptures? I challenge you to read every day, even for a little bit. Read the Bible. Be filled with the spirit. Be devoted to pray. Pray for each other. Come forward. Pray. Go go home. It says break bread. I love it because it says it twice. Eating meals together is said twice in the scriptures in that little snapshot. There's something profoundly magical about what happens when you invite people into your life and you share meals. We need to eat more meals together. More burritos, more chihuahua tacos, more pokey, more sushi, Subway sandwich, it doesn't matter. We need to break bread together. Brothers and sisters, this this practice of eating intentionally together will build a community that people will want from the outside. Go for it. Oh, I don't have, I'm never included. I feel like an outsider. Why don't you be the one that includes everyone else in your life and see what happens? I love when people are like, I, 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 they're like, I just want to do my ministry. I just, want, I just want to use my gifts. Well, are you using, go and pray for someone. I just want to experience God. Well, go and pray for someone else to experience God. You'll experience it. Because whatever you receive, you're called to give away. So be filled with the Spirit. Read Scripture. Eat meals together. Pray together. What else is in here? Share your life with each other. Give generously. Brothers and sisters, from this day forward, we're going after being the church together. Be church. Be church. We're in. What is this gonna do to us? A lot. We're gonna change our structure. We're gonna move um, groups probably to house churches and just go after multiplying disciples, planting churches, being as biblical as possible and as on fire as possible in the presence of Jesus. So be church, amen? 
Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.